Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to our Wednesday broadcast from the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas. My name is Ron Crawford, and I am so happy to be able to say hello to our congregation from the Father's Church, as well as to extend our warmest greetings, as opposed to those lukewarm ones, to all of our Saints Network family. It's, um, it's a great time in the Lord, and I speak blessing over all of you in this season. Keep your focus on what God has promised, and regardless of what may be um, presenting itself in your natural life, and I know we're all over the map in that. Keep your focus on the eternal things and let God do through you as an intercessor and as a servant, as a saint, what he put you on this earth to achieve. I mean, it comes back to what we said from the very beginning. Who's serving who? Are you serving God? Or is your idea of church simply being part of a uh, a club, as it were, bought and paid for by the Lord Jesus, and then from that point, you you just expect God to serve you. Oh, bless me, Lord. Oh, heal me, Lord. Oh, provide for me, Lord. Oh, I'm I need this, Lord. Oh, I need that, Lord. I mean, I'm going to be in agreement so that you'll do this for me. I am not faulting the principles of prayer, but I. I recognize that having been in the church all my life that we get it backwards. We're here to serve the Lord. We're here to seek first priority, his kingdom and his righteousness. And then all these things will be added. It's one thing to know that surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life because our purpose is to dwell in and according to the house of the Lord forever. So if we make the benefit in the natural our main priority, we're missing it. And we're probably, I don't want to say too much about this, but God does hear and answer prayer, but my goal, and I trust that it is the goal of every saint, to serve the Lord, to do as an intercessor and as a son what Christ came to give himself to afford for us. And to me, <coughs> we as saints are in the midst of a point of fruitfulness and breakthrough that we've believed for, for so many years. We have been beneficiaries of so many great 
blessings from God. But the true harvest that we've believed for is yet to come. The best wine is, is last. And so we're going to get to our message in just a moment here. But, um, and there is an outline attached for you. You might want to be pulling that up. But we are getting ready for a gathering in Brazil just a little over two weeks from now. And um, we're praying. We're in the fourth week of seven. Asking God, not just for Brazil, but for France, Western Europe to follow, and for the many places that God is opening after that. Um, we're, we're praying that we will be aligned with the heart of the Lord, and that we will submit ourselves appropriately um, for his service. So this week is a focus on Hebron, and that's another Another uh, teaching on this is coming in just a minute. We've had many of them in the past. And um, I, I want to remind my congregation that tonight at 6 o'clock we're gathering in the sanctuary to pray. For our Saints Network family, we would love for you to continue with us in these week-by-week -week progressions, but if you're hearing this, please just go before the Lord today at some point. Continue it through the week, but we are we're committing ourselves prophetically to the principles that God addressed in regard to Hebron. So let's go ahead and look, and again, We've taught on this so many times and from various angles, and we understand that Hebron is, a, is the place where David was anointed as king. It's a, it's a city that, um, by virtue of its name, means a gathering. It, um, it can also be used in the Old Testament and even today as a word meaning to curse or to employ some measure of witchcraft alignment. So it really is a battleground as to what is going to be accomplished. Is it God's will or is it the demonic realm? To me, out of all of the cities listed in the Old Testament, this city, by virtue of its placement, how it's used in biblical narratives, how it is uh, described by virtue of its the name itself and the extrapolations of word derivations from the name, this is a this is a key for us. It it. It is something that we must understand because we're in this right now. And um, it really is the prophetic where we're believing what God said regardless of 
what bitterness might try to do, what anger might try to do, what disenchantment might try to do, we're staying focused on the target of his will and his kingdom. And that's all represented in Hebron. So again, we've taught on this many, many times. So those of you who are hearing this for the first time, recognize that I just gave you a foundation for what we're going to study today. But there's much more throughout the scripture having to do with this city, this region, and um, um, hopefully you'll avail yourself of the teachings that have gone on in the past regarding it. So let's look at the first issuance of the, the location, the, the place known as Hebron. Now, I just want to clarify one thing, because some of you are going to find that this city used to be called Kir, Kirjath Arba. All that means is the city of a, of a king, a giant named Arba. Um, there's no real biblical significance except to indicate that this was a highly spiritual location. It was a place where the enemy sourced a divine deposit. The people that lived there originally that had to be defeated were large in stature. The, the fruit, the harvests, were enormous. So much so that when the initial spies went into Hebron, they said, we can't beat these people. They're giants. We're grasshoppers in their sight. And they brought back a, a cluster of grapes that were massive. I bet even Whole Foods and Sprouts didn't have grapes this big. I bet even in Florida, they didn't have grapes this big. And the only two that said, let's go. God can do this. God said this, were Caleb and Joshua. The rest of them said, we don't want to do it. I think we're in that position now. We're talking about these principles, and so many Christians would hear this and say, eh, you know, I don't care if it's in the Bible or not. That's not for me. I think that's weird. Oh, don't give me 30 biblical examples of this, because I'm just not going to believe it. Which side are you on? So the first issuance of Hebron is in Genesis 13. Let's read it together. And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot was separated from him, lift up now your eyes and look from the place where you are northward, southward, eastward, and westward for all the land which you see. To you will I give it into your seed forever. I will make your seed as the dust of the earth <clears throat> so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall your seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it and the breadth of it, for I will give it to you. Then Abram removed his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. <coughs> it's very interesting. You know, I, I see the various factors regarding Hebron, and I recognize that Myself personally, our church, our saints network have encountered 
practically every facet of this. And when you want to be used of God to bring healing, to anoint kings, to eradicate the curse, to lay claim to the treasures that God has put on this earth, you, you should expect there to be opposition. It's not that you go looking for it, but you should expect that it would be there. And your, your opinion as to what you should do about that is all in the perspective of the promise of God. What has God said? So here Abram had been abandoned by someone that should have known better and, um, and at that point where he could have been bittered or challenged, God says, hey, just remember my promise to you that I gave to you a long time ago when we became friends in righteousness, when you believed me, and I called it righteousness. This, this is yours. And Abram sets up camp at Hebron. And from what we know, um, he was buried there, Isaac was buried there, Jacob, Sarah. Um, you know, the Jews say, and I looked this up this morning, that Adam and Eve were buried there. I don't know. It's kind of stretching it a bit. However, um, I I do see though that Abram took this promise seriously. Let's look at um, Genesis 18. Now this has been many years. Verse one. The Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And now look at this progression. I've underlined it and emboldened it. This is what we should be doing right now. When he saw them. Oh, Pastor, I don't see anything. Would you pray for me that I can see things in the Spirit? Do we have to go through that again? I mean, God has brought us to this point. He has spoken. He's worked miracles to bring us to this position. You've lived it. If you haven't seen and understood it by now, that's what we really need to lay hands on you about. So it's not necessarily having a physical fi vision even though God gives us plenty of those uh, I've known lots of people including in my own life who see things but yet they don't believe you say how can that be well you get used to what you have I mean if if you if you're used to seeing things, that's not anything abnormal for you. It doesn't necessarily inspire you to jump up in the air and click your heels. The most important thing is that you see it with the eyes of an understanding. 
And that's the essence that we must all embrace. What hath God said, the enemy said to Eve? What has God said? The enemy said to Jesus, it is written. Neither one of those said, hey, what have you seen in the spirit realm? No, it's what have you heard and what have you read and what do you know? And so we, we, we have to believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Seems I read that somewhere. When he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door, and he shakad, that's Old Testament, proskuneo, toward the ground. He, he understood, he invested himself. He didn't just mosey over there. Well, I'll just wait here and see it for myself, and then if everybody else does it, then I'll do it. No, no, he ran. And then he was on his face. He committed himself. He worshipped the Lord. And said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, grace, hen, that's favor. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Here's Abram finding grace in the eyes of the Lord. I'm, I'm engaged in grace here. Can we say that we are embodying these same Abraham, Abrahamic principles regarding where we are right now. Do we believe what we should know? Are we investing ourselves fully? This guy was almost a hundred years old. He was running. My goodness. We talk about Caleb give me this mountain at 85 here's a here's a sprinter an older man and he proscuneoed no I can't proscuneo anymore because I don't know if I can get back up Abram didn't complain about that he did it and he committed himself afresh that he was partnering with the grace of the Lord and, of course, we recognize that here at Hebron, God chose to convene with Abram. And what was he talking about? His promise that seemed like it had almost been forgotten, the promise of sons, the promise of Abram's children, Wherefore didst thou laugh? That's part of this passage. So that happens at Hebron. And a discussion about visiting upon Sodom and Gomorrah. Destruction, yes. But the initial measure was searching out righteous people. All those peradventures that we read about in the King James you see that we're in this point right now? Are we committing ourselves as Abram did? What God promised, no matter how many years ago, no matter how old we may be now, is still true. 
We're going into nations now. We've been in many nations already, thanks be to God and by His grace and His directive. But we're recruiting intercessors now in a bigger way. And in the time frame in which we live, it's the darkness is upon this world in a bigger way than we've seen. God is giving the nations, the people in the nations, a chance to be these intercessors. Do you see this or am I just making it up? We're in this point. It's a Hebron point. Later on, I mentioned this. Numbers 14, Caleb, um, Numbers 14, 21, But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have tempted me now these ten times and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Now, this was that earlier time um, when Caleb said we can do this. This another spirit that's mentioned here, we've talked about this and taught on what this word means. And in essence, it means to remember, to hold fast to things that God has established and to recall them. What did Caleb recall? (coughs) Excuse me. The promise of Abraham, which we just talked about. The leadership of Moses, (coughs) which they'd all seen. And the pathway that God had put them on. You've got to trust those things. That was the another spirit had nothing to do with what you were seeing in the natural, real time. You have to face those things with what you know and what you believe. Caleb had this wonderful spirit set and God noticed it. This was not braggadocia. This was not too much um, adrenaline. He, he believed this was God's land of promise. And if any of those people remembered the history of their forefathers, they knew that God had already done incredible things there in the patriarchs. And God made promises there. To me, that's the heart of the another. And then, of course, Joshua 14. Now, a lot had happened earlier in Joshua. 
uh, in the book, they had already fought against the giants. But, but now Caleb says, I want this mountain. I want this high place. If, there are, if there's a residue spiritually, if there is any Anakim that are still there, we're going to take it. But I want this mountain. I want this high place. I want this what this place spiritually represents. And we're going to develop it for the Lord. And of course then his daughter also, the upper and the nether springs. Um, Joshua blessed Caleb as he said, give me this mountain. And um, Caleb got that place for inheritance. 2 Samuel 2, verses 1 through 4. We often talk about how David went to Hebron and all the tribal leaders came, leaders came and they were in agreement, which is part of Hebron, and David was anointed as king. Um, but this passage talks about why he went to Hebron. It came to pass after this, David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up into any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, Go up. And David said, Where shall I go up? And he said, Unto Hebron. God told him to go there. Why? Why didn't he just cut through it and go to Jerusalem? Everybody wants to go there. Why didn't he go to Bethel? The ladder of the Lord was there. Why didn't he go to um, Gibeon? <coughs> God says go to Hebron. If you have any question at all about the significance of this place, take it up with the plan of God. God told him to go there. Years later, Absalom attempted an insurrection there against his father David. But, as we said, if you're going to step into kingship, if you're going to see God turn the deposits of the glory, the hystemis, of God's presence and empowerment into the kingdom, you're, you're, you're going to have to recognize that the victory is yours, but there are also other entities that want those places. Let's talk about something that we mentioned the other day from Proverbs 20. Verse 30, the blueness of a wound cleanses away evil, so do stripes the inward parts of the belly. Now, blueness there is from the root of um, Hebron. And this talks about 
healing. It talks about restoration. If there is a scar, a wounding, in the fabric of what God has desired in perfect health and perfect function, when 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 our body reacts to a wound <coughs> excuse me you see the discoloration come around that lots of things happen um, medicinally there for one the body rushes to seal the wound um deadness begins to be processed away. Healing begins to flood to the place. Repair begins to happen. The body seeks to eliminate infection or any kind of impurity. And the end result is to seal it up and then eventually to make it look as if nothing happened except for an offering of thanks that's often indicated in the body. And um, we see this with Hebron because God says this belongs to me, there's a breach here. I need somebody to stand in that gap, make up the hedge. Parets should be happening so that function and parats can come. The enemy will try to break through. The enemy will try to take <coughs> what belongs to God. There, there is that principle that we've learned from the Word in so many ways that are all converging on this targeted place targeted by the Spirit of the Lord. You want people to come together in agreement. You also may have enemy forces that come together to, to release cursings. Uh, I noticed that uh, I was just looking, I was looking at a lot of different things. Uh, this word, habar, which basically means to bind together uh, is the root of Hebron and of this word, to bind, to bind together. In the negative, it means to curse or to cast a spell. And this word is still used throughout many African dialects in modern Romanian and throughout the Urals region, especially to the, to the west. This word is also used to describe curses or people coming together for nefarious actions. It's very interesting. Very interesting. But I think if we look at Isaiah 53, where this word Haburah is also used, he was wounded for our transgressions, verse 5. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes 
we're healed. We enter into the rofe, the connective point where heaven meets earth. I remember when we were first studying about bruisings and stripes and rofe, <clears throat> that I felt very strong impression some a couple of times as I was studying I could hear the voice of the Lord or the voice of the Lord through his angelic stating that to function in stripes and I'm paraphrasing this but I, I heard it several times you have to position yourself in it you have to proskuneo you have to assume kami into it it's a measure of you standing in that gap. That's why God searches for someone to do that for the land. And when you do that, the whole process of what I just said invokes this habura. So, with his stripes, you know, wounded for transgressions, bruised for iniquities, chastisings, all of those are great. But for the measure of actual producing the victory, it has to be Habura. It has to be Habar. It has to be Hebron. That's the applying of all the other factors um, and the, the understanding that you're going to face these factors and you're, you're, you're going to overcome because give me this mountain. You know, I don't know why Christians think that once they accept Christ, they're not going to face any challenges. I, I don't understand that. Anything in life <coughs> will cost you. Shall I offer to God something that cost me nothing, David said. And if we're supposed to stand in the gap, but that's what God searches for. If God searches for someone with a pure heart, if God searches for someone who will proscuneo, why is God searching for that? The point of kingship is taking your place where God directs you and understanding it, running to it, Laying on your face. Isn't that right? I should be getting an amen of some sort in this. And then engaging in the grace of the eyes and the ways of God. That's our father Abraham. Father of all who walk in faith. And that's what we're called to be. So, we've talked about wounding for transgressions. We've talked about bruising for the iniquities, the, the awans of 
per, per, um, of any point of perversion of purpose. We've talked about training so that we can, um, as sons, carry the mission forward. But then you apply all of that into the place of Hebron. And through that, then you open the victory of um, welcoming heaven to earth. The binding here. The, the coming together in agreement to bind, to affirm this is what we believe. This is what God said. This is what we're here to do. This is our accord. This is our agreement. That's something that is absolutely profoundly necessary. And I bring this over now into the New Testament, and I think I rightfully can do this. <coughs> I, I label this our, our 1619 project. Only this is the truth. Commune with the Father. Peter has received this revelation from the Father. Matthew 16, verse 18. I say unto you, you are Peter. Upon this rock I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever then you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Do you think that maybe, just maybe, the Lord understood about Hebron, the, the priority of kingship, the place where he called Abraham and said, I'm giving you this place, I'm meeting with you here, the place where he met with Abraham, when Abraham ran to him, you think um, he recalled when he told David to go there? Do you think he recalled how the enemy had used that to produce giants in the land and massive fruit harvests? This was fully God, fully man. Of course he understood that. Bind. And when you do that then, you have the opportunity to know fruitfulness. Things are loosed. And it's in accordance with what God wants in heaven. And it's done on earth. Jesus says the same phrase, only this time, <clears throat> two chapters later, in Matthew 18. Verily I say to you, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, loosed in heaven. Again, so he's saying this and interjecting it back into this. If two of, of you symphoneo on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it'll be done for them of my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered 
together in my name. There am I in the midst of them. Two or three gathering. Well, that sounds like Hebron. Let's all come up here. Let's be in agreement. Issachar, you come, bringing your ability to hear from God. Zebulun, you come, bringing your warfare skills. Judah, you come. Dan, you come. Sesimphoneo, gathering together, in agreement. As the old-timey preacher would say, I don't know about you, but this sure sounds, this sure do sound a lot like Hebron. And then from that, kingship occurs. Kingdom reality goes forth. <clears throat> I, I don't think that it's a stretch to invoke the concept and the principle of Hebron which was very important to, to God. And you're talking Abram. You're talking Caleb. You're talking David. This is important. So, what we're doing right now, to me, aligns so very much with Hebron. I, I was looking, I did a search for Hebron in the New Testament. I guess if you dug deeper, you can look where the city is and figure out things that Jesus did around there. But it's not mentioned in the New Testament. Even though the principle is there and, and there are things that he did around this place. But I also looked for Hebron today and I looked on a Palestinian website kind of a tourism thing for the West Bank, if you can imagine such a thing. <clears throat> Here's a direct quote. Hebron is often termed the most tense city, T-E-N-S-E, in Palestine, or the most troubled city in Palestine. That's from a website today. The squad probably visits this website every day. But they mention Hebron and they say this, which is a biblical principle. We know it. Um, we're coming to pray this week. And it's more an assertion of our willingness to believe what God has promised us what we know he has declared, we understand it to the best of our ability, we run and apply ourselves wholeheartedly, we're on our face before God because we're knowing we're aligning with his grace in his ways. It's the place of kings. Yes, the enemy wants it too. But we are going to stand. We're going to take our place in the gap. And we're going to do what he says, what God says. That's the principle of Hebron. And that's why God has us focusing 
on Hebron this week. To me, we, we even have it in the prophetic slot in the seven weeks. Because when you prophesy, you're, you're either going to die to self and believe for what's been spoken, the martyria, or you're going to become bitter. You're going to become jaded and twisted. And you're then going to welcome uh, evil work. Defile many. Roots of bitterness come. Why? Because you stop doing what God asks. If the processing of the leaves that then generates the sweetness that then causes fruits and roots to grow, if you begin to process things according and let the bitterness you're supposed to be turning, if you just ingest that and become that, then roots of bitterness come and that's what you're pumping out into the atmosphere. That's the kind of fruit you're producing. Oh, I'd never eat that. Well, tell that to Eve. Tell that to Adam who stumbled along and who knew better, but he ate anyway. How many have we seen do that? The minute you stop believing, the minute you stop pursuing the ways of the Lord, listen, all around you is going to be the opportunity of bitterness. Do not do this. I'm, I'm telling you, I got to be careful what I say here. You better guard yourself. What you were able to get away with, maybe, in grades one through 12, maybe even in college, spiritually, maybe even in, to some degree in grad school. We're in the field of war now. Whatever you got away with then, you better not try it now because the enemy will nail you and I don't want that to happen to anybody so just know that we in so many ways are going into Hebron Brazil's first up there there is so much to be gained for the kingdom. God earmarked this. You want to talk about another spirit? I want to remind you, <coughs> excuse me, that before we went anywhere on any ministry trip, God spoke to me clearly. And he showed me during, it was a dream and then a temple of the tabernacle of testimony activation we did. South America. And he showed me Brazil. And he said, I'm raising a large portion, the largest portion of my end time army out of this place. I thought, wow. Even then when he would show us the continents, I would see the whole South American continent in light blue. It was the color of the saints. 
And my first reaction was to believe and to say, okay, yes, Lord, I, I know what you're showing me. I'll write it down. But when I thought about it, I thought, I, we don't know anybody there. We don't speak that language. I wasn't doubting. I was just processing. Then Africa opened and Europe opened and India opened. And um, then the miracle of miracles, Brazil opened. We're in that moment. You want to talk about another spirit? I know what God said. I haven't forgotten. How about you? So we pray. We employ what we've learned about Hebron. We're there. If, <laughs> if I was a, a gimmicky person, I would tell my congregation... <laughs> And when you come to pray tonight, throughout the afternoon and even before you get out of your car, you need to remember what God said. Then you need to run into the sanctuary and you need to immediately proskuneo. And then welcome him. The grace of his ways. But I'm not going to tell anybody to do that. Spiritually, we should. I'm not even sure some of our folks can run anymore. Abram could. I'm off. I'm, I'm, I'm going into strange lands now, so I should, I should stop. Um, may God bless all of you. I speak his goodness, his kindness into your life. And... Um, We'll look forward to praying together in these days for my congregation tonight, 6 o'clock. And um, we'll look forward to being together again soon. Till then, God bless and goodbye.